you? Has anyone uh, loaded on their phone or anything the U Vision, the Daily Bible verse? If you haven't, I would uh, recommend it. Today's verse is from Psalm 147, verse 3. And it reads, He heals the brokenhearted, and he binds up their wounds. Not only is that apropos for today, September the 11th, as we remember those who passed away in the tragedy that occurred on that day 21 years ago, but it also ties into the sermon today in our gospel lesson about what the Good Shepherd does as well. And so um, it's good for us to always be in the Word. It is good to us when the Word seems to be, or rather the world seems to be in turmoil, we go to the Word and He speaks to us. And so I just wanted to leave that with you. And then also, um, little did I know, but uh, that it would be an infamous day times two, because today, six years ago, you ordained me as your pastor. So yeah, it's been that long. So um, there's, there's, it's a bittersweet day. How about that? And now to some more sweetness. I understand that a um, council member is going to do announcements this morning. Did we, did we pick? So I see everyone sitting on their hands. Announcements? At least you hear my sermon. <laughs> Take it away, Randy. So we had our council meeting yesterday, and um, as you know, we lost a council member when Dee left us. And so Lee has decided to become a, we consider it a, an interim council position because we'll vote on him come January when we have the annual meeting. So, Lee, <laughs> thank you very much. So, and we are also supposed to start doing the, the announcements. So, it was either this or give pastor a raise. So, that's, that's why I'm up here. <clears throat> so, sit and be fit every Tuesday morning so anybody male or female can go and do this so uh, and the men's Bible study we are always open to more people to show up so we're tired of buying the donuts so that rotations getting pretty small so but other than that and the announcement for Lee that's all I have. If anyone has any questions, you can see me after the service. So, thank you very much. Oop, there's a question. In the bulletin, it should. Uh... Alder Flowers. I don't know who did it for this week. Chow. Thank you, Mama Chow. So, 
Anything else? All right, Pastor, it's all to you. Please stand if you're able. We come together this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. 
But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what we have done and by what we have left undone, we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved your neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. And for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you. And for his sake, he forgives you all of your sins. And as your called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Worthy is Christ, the Lamb who was slain, whose blood set us free to be people of God, power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing and glory are His. This is the feast of victory for our God. Hallelujah! Sing with all the people of God and join in the hymn of all creation, blessing and honor and glory and might be to God and the Lamb forever. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God, for the Lamb who was slain has begun his reign. 
Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, you are the good shepherd, without whom nothing is secure. Rescue and preserve us that we may not be lost forever, but follow you, rejoicing in the way that leads to eternal life. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning and peace be with you. This morning our first reading takes us to the book of Ezekiel. And we're going to be looking at chapter 34, verse 11 through 24. Talks about the good shepherd. And we're going to learn a lot about that. Talks about judging. And we're going to learn something about that. And it talks about how the sovereign Lord will provide justice and will over the powerful and will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. Appropriate day for that. Reading. But this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them as a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them. So will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountain of Israel, in the ravines, in all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in a good pasture and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land, and there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. But the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. As for you, my flock, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will judge between one sheep and another, between rams and goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture? Must you also trample the rest of your pasture with your feet? Is it not enough for you to drink clear water? Must you also muddy the rest with your feet? 
Must my flock feed on what you have trampled and drink on what you have muddied with your feet? Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says to them. See, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep, because you shove with flank and shoulder, butting all the weak sheep with your horns until you have driven them away. I will save my flock and they will no longer be plundered. I will judge between one sheep and another. I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be the prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. Join me as we go to Psalms, printed in your uh, bulletin. Uh, we'll be reading Psalm 119, verses 169 through the very end of that chapter, 176. A lot of verses in that chapter. A lot of good information also. Starting out with 169. May my cry come before you, Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. May my supplication come before you. Deliver me according to your promise. May my lips overflow with praise, for you teach me your decrees. May my tongue sing of your word, for all your commands are righteous. May, may your hand be ready to help me. For I have chosen your precepts. Salvation, Lord, and your law gives me delight. Let me live that I may praise you, and may your laws sustain me. I strayed like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I have not forgotten your commands. The next reading is from 1 Timothy 1, 5 through 17. Here Paul warns against the heretical teachers in the Ephesian church, heretical, heretical. It's a hard one we had this on Saturday too for me. Paul warns against heretical teachers in the Ephesian church, teaching them but of course, false doctrines and myths. Verse five, the goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Some have departed from these and have tur turned to meaningless talk. They want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they are talking about or what they say so confidently affirm. We know that the law is good if one uses it properly. We also know the law is made not for the righteous but for the lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and the irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mothers for murderers. 
for the sexually immoral, for those practicing homosexuality, for slave traders and liars and perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine that conforms to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God, which he entrusted to me. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service, even though I was a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I'm the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of the sinners, Christ Jesus may display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Hallelujah, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Hallelujah. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke from the 15th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our Gospel this morning is from Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 10, and can be found on page 1623 in your pew Bible. Luke records, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners, and he eats with them. And then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home. And then he calls his friends and his neighbors together. And he says this, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. Now I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons 
who do not need to repent. Or, suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. And in the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner that repents. This is the gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. This morning, we heard just part of the great lost and found parable. Jesus combined three parables together to make one grand parable in order to drive home the main point. And we heard the first two of those parables today. The third parable is commonly called the parable of the prodigal son. Now, all three of these parables illustrate the fact that Jesus calls all people to himself. He came to save all people in all places and in all times. And John wrote of this in 1 John 2, verse 2, Jesus is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Propitiation. We don't use that word very often, but propitiation is an offering to, of appeasement, to be reconciled and made right with. Now, there's some elements for the propitiation to be accepted, and Jesus fulfilled all of them. First of all, the propitiation, the gift, needs to be acceptable to the one who the debt is owed, God the Father. So Jesus was an acceptable offering to him. And then the other part of a propitiation is that the propitiation, the, uh, the uh, object of, has to agree, has to be in agreement to be that. And Jesus fulfilled that too. Okay, moving right along. We read that Jesus had been serving the tax collectors and the sinners with his teaching from the Holy Scriptures. And that the scribes and the Pharisees thought that this was a blasphemous use of the Holy Scriptures. After all, they would have thought, were not the Holy Scriptures primarily for people who at least tried to be holy? Now, Luke records in Luke 15, verses 1 through 2, he said, Now the 
tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Emphasis mine. Jesus was actually drawing the most dishonorable members of society to himself. And the scribes and the Pharisees were livid. Their beaks were tweaked. They were having a cow. They were, I don't know, that's about as clean as I can keep it. They didn't like it. That Jesus would do such a thing. So Jesus told these great three parables to illustrate that receiving sinners and eating them was the main reason that he took on human flesh and that he came down to live with us. Jesus wanted the scribes and he wanted the Pharisees to see that they were also sinners who needed a Savior. And Jesus began with a parable about a shepherd with 100 sheep. What you heard read to you, he says, it comes from Luke's recording on 15, verse 4, what man of you, having 100 sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? Now, There is incredible comfort in these words. Once you understand this, once you understand that you are the lost sheep, and Jesus is the shepherd, and you begin to understand that even if you were the only lost sheep, he'd come looking and never stop until he found you. He would still become human so that he could die on the cross for you. He would still endure the wrath of God for you. And he would still suffer all, even if you were the only sinner on earth. Jesus continued in the parable, and when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me. I have found my sheep that was lost. And it is at this point in the parable that you should ask yourself, what has the sheep done? The shepherd searched for the sheep. The shepherd found the sheep. The shepherd carried the sheep. The shepherd rejoiced as he carried the sheep home. The shepherd invited his friends and neighbors to celebrate with him because he had found the sheep. In this entire parable, the only thing that the sheep did was get lost. Then Jesus gave the meaning of the parable to them. 
Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. With these words, Jesus revealed that the sheep in the parable represented a sinner. And the associates of the shepherd represent the community of heaven, the cloud of witnesses. And this means that the shepherd represented the sinner's savior. But what about that repentance? Well, the sheep did nothing in the parable. He got lost. And if the sheep represents the sinner, then the sinner does nothing. That means that the repentance that causes joy in heaven is not a work that the sinner does, but a work that God does in the sinner. And just as the shepherd does everything for the sheep, God does everything for you. He even produces repentance in you. Okay, but pastor, what about the 99 sheep? Did those sheep return to the fold or are they still out in the open country? What happened to them? Well, these 99 refer to the scribes and the Pharisees. The scribes and the Pharisees insisted that they were already virtuous in themselves and had no need to repent. Therefore, Jesus ironically referred to them as the 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And the scribes and the Pharisees would hear the irony in Jesus' description of them, of the 99, and that they would know that he was talking about them. And Jesus was calling for them to repent. You see, Jesus wanted to rescue them. He wanted to carry them into, eternal, into the eternal celebration in his kingdom. He wanted them to rejoice with all the company of heaven, including the tax collectors and the sinners who also received the gift of repentance. Now, on the other hand, if the scribes and the Pharisees insisted that they had no need to repent, then their own stubbornness condemned them to an eternity outside of the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus reinforced the teaching of the parable of the lost sheep in the second parable that he told. In the second parable, Jesus compared God to a woman searching for a coin. And in those days, most people lived in one-room houses that were packed uh, dirt and pebble floors. And the only light would be the light from an open door, perhaps a window, a small window. So the image is the image of a woman on her elbows and on her knees, 
holding a lamp near the floor with one hand while gently sweeping with the other hand through the cracks between the pebbles in the floor. Kind of like looking for socks underneath the bed at my house. The themes are the same, however. And that theme is something's lost, and the owner searches for it and finds it. And the owner invites the community to celebrate the restoration of that lost possession. The meaning of both parables is this. Are you ready? The meaning of both of those parables is this. When God rescues sinners by bringing them to repentance, there is a celebration in heaven. And on the other hand, sinners who reject the rescue remain condemned in their sin. Jesus talked about repentance a lot. Repentance is so important that after Jesus rose from the dead, he said that the mission of the church was to preach repentance and the forgiveness of sins in his name. That's in Luke 24, verse 47. Now, the Augsburg Confession defines repentance as this. Repentance consists of two parts. One part is contrition. That is, that terror is striking the conscience through the knowledge of sin. The other, the other part is faith, which is born of the gospel or the absolution and believes that for Christ's sake, sins are forgiven. That is the Augsburg Confession, Confession Article 12, excuse me, 17. Here's the thing. We don't like that first part of repentance, the part that introduces the knowledge of sin. Because it means that we must admit that we are by nature bad, bad people. And we don't like that. We would prefer to think that we are good people. That was the problem that the Pharisees and the scribes had. And it is still our problem today. Jesus told this grand lost and found parable in order to teach the Pharisees and the scribes and us what John wrote in his first epistle. You'll probably recognize this. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And if we say we have not sinned in well, then we make God a liar, and his word is not in us. Now, God's search for lost sinners is much more profound than could be told in any one parable. Jesus began his search for sinners long, long ago. The Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write this, in Ephesians 1, 4, 
that he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. And with these words, Paul tells us that Jesus, the Son of God, began his search for us even before he created the world. Today's reading from the Old Testament contains the same promise. In Ezekiel 34, verses 11 through 12, For thus says the Lord of God, Behold, I, I myself, will search for my sheep and will seek them out. And as a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have scattered on that day of clouds and thick darkness. And in today's gospel, Jesus tells us that he fulfilled the promise the promise that he made in the days of the prophet Ezekiel. Now, when the time was right, the Son of God continued his search by taking on our human flesh. And, and as he searched for us, he humbled himself under the law, even though he is the master of the law. And as he searched for us in his perfect life, he encountered the great predator, death itself. And as Jesus died on the cross, it seemed as if death had ended the search. But that was not the case. What death did not know was that Jesus intended to conquer death with his own death. Now, Jesus suffered on the cross for us, but in his suffering, he did not suffer defeat. Instead, he conquered sin, death, and the power of the devil. And the victory that Jesus won on the cross became evident when he burst forth from the tomb on that third day. And his resurrection assures us that his victory on the cross earned salvation for all of us who believe. We are forgiven. Jesus Christ has adopted us into his family. And the whole point of the 99 sheep and the nine coins is that people who insist that they are not Sinners also insist that they do not need Jesus. And those who insist that they are not bad also insist that they do not need Jesus. And those who insist that they are not lost, well, they're the most lost of all. The shepherd leaves the 99 sheep. The woman leaves the nine coins. The search is for the one that is lost. And as we heard in 1 Timothy 1.15 today, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world 
to save sinners. Favorite part of the sermon. In conclusion, the day that you were baptized, the day that you were baptized, God found you and God rescued you. Another sinner through the wet gospel of holy baptism, you were rescued. Jesus searched for you. And he found you. God works repentance in us, in you, in me. Even if at the time we were baptized, we didn't even know what the word meant. Because As we know, all the sheep did in the parable was get lost, right? Well, God is the one who works repentance in you. And what joy there is before the angels in heaven over one sinner who repents. And what joy there is on earth among those sinners whose sins are forgiven. In the name of Jesus, amen. Is my belief just a closer walk? 
Will you please stand if you're able? Let us confess together our faith to the words of the Apostles' Creed found on page 3 of your bulletin. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He ascended into hell, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I will be reading for Ashley this morning. She sends her regards, and she gave me her prayer. This is from her and from her heart. Please pray with me for the whole church of God and for all people according to their needs. Dear Heavenly Father, we humbly come before you now to praise you and to thank you for your goodness your love, and your faithfulness. We worship you in reverence and awe for all that you have done for us and blessed us with. Thank you for the forgiveness of our sins. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for this church family. Thank you for Pastor Ken and all who worship here and serve you with the gifts and talents that you have given them. Lord, we ask that you would bless us, strengthen us, and keep us healthy in body, mind, and spirit, so that we may do all that you have called us to do and fulfill your purpose for our lives. We ask that you guide us and help us stay on the narrow path with you, the path of peace, love, holiness, and truth. Dear God, there is so much turmoil and chaos happening around the world. At times we feel scared and unsure. Please let us feel your presence in times of trouble and deliver us from evil and bitter roots that cause so much trouble. We need your righteousness and truth. Lord, everything belongs to you. You know every detail of your creation. We need your help, your love, your discipline to keep us on the right path. Father, we lift up our unsaved loved ones to you. We ask that you stir up their faith and reveal your love and goodness to them. Lord, we pray that you would help us share your love, your grace, your peace, and your forgiveness to everyone whom you bring into our lives. Father, we ask that you would be in the midst of broken families, 
that are torn apart by sin and bring love and reconciliation. Father, we lift up those who are homeless and displaced, those who are hungry, those who struggle with addictions, those who are abused, those who are neglected, those who have broken hearts, those who are lonely, those in pain, those who are sick, and those who are anxious. We ask for your healing balm to wash over all who are hurting and facing disease in body, mind, or spirit, especially those whom we name out loud or deep in our hearts. Lord, grant your healing, hope, and strength. All we want is you, Lord. All we need is you. Thank you for being our provider. We thank you for your peace, your mercy, your healing, and your comfort. We love you, Lord Jesus, beautiful Savior, and it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And now may the peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share the peace. Will you please pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness, you have blessed us with these gifts. With them, we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord, our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ, our Lord who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection has opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so, with the church on earth and the host of heavens, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of 
power and might. Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us now pray together the prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. This feast is for all who should believe. For those who once were lost, and that's all they did and contributed to it, are found. Those who have been baptized, and those who God has worked his repentance in through hearing the word, through worshiping him, and through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. It's for all who confess Jesus as Lord. And I heard you confess it. So come, the table is prepared. The ushers will bring you forward.
once was lost, but now I'm found. Thanks be to Jesus. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long This is my story, this is my song Praising my Savior all the day long Perfect submission, perfect delight Visions of rapture now burst on my side Angels descending, ring from above Echoes of mercy, whispers of love This is my story, this is my song Praising my Savior all the day long This is my story, this is my song Praising my Savior all the day long, praising my Savior all